Hi, everybody. This is Tony Kahn, producer and director of Morning Stories from WGBH in Boston, with today's Morning Story. What else? Now, sometimes they say you need a village to raise a child. Well, we've discovered that the same is true for stories. Uh, Some kinds of stories actually need more than one person to tell them, especially if it's a story about an entire family. The family I'm thinking of is the Grashows of Brooklyn, New York. I've known the Grashows for many, many years. There's Mark, the father, who is a retired high school math teacher, his wife, Sherry, who works in public health. Their two children, Alexander and Rachel, both of them now in their 20s. Many years ago, they got a chance to go to India, last minute. And I'd heard pieces of the story. I'd even seen pictures of it. But I realized that I'd never heard them all tell me the story of what happened during that year that they were away. So one day, a while ago, and some 15 years after they took that trip, I sat them down and had them tell me the story of what happened that year, but individually, so that I could get every person's own impression, not not affected by the others. It's sort of like Rashomon, you know, that uh, Japanese movie, the same event told from many different points of view, where you can call this Grashomon. So let's hear what I came up with and what they thought was, uh, you know, a very interesting collective story of their trip in India, the Grashaus. Today's morning story, what are we calling it? Passage to India. Today's morning, thank you, Gary. (laughs) Today's morning story, Passage to India. I was due for a half-year sabbatical, and the last second I decided to apply to teach in India. And lo and behold, a month later, the New York City Board of Education said, go ahead. It was at that point that our daughter lay down on the floor and said her life was over and she wasn't going. Um, I started to cry because I got so scared. and I didn't even know where I was on the map. My brother waved them away, you know, like, let me take care of this. And he did. Well, I told her she never had to take piano lessons again. If she went, I'd I know that. We all needed shots. We needed school records. So the in, some way, in some ways, it was so quick. I wanted to know what classes I would be taking, whether we live in a big house, what the food was like, you know, whether uh, we would travel around, whether this. There was we didn't know how our lives would be in India. We had fantasies, and some things come true. And of course, as always, you can't anticipate everything. When we arrived after, I think it was a 48-hour trip, it was really sort of an attack on the senses. And all of a sudden, there were cows and cucumber carts and watermelon sellers and people on bikes, and there are really very few traffic rules that people follow. What they did is they found us an apartment, and it was an amazing apartment. I think one of the best things about it was we had an unobstructed view to the horizon. I would get up in the morning, and there was that sun. It would come up. And you could almost feel the entire planet rolling towards the sun. And it it was extraordinary. And we would watch all of India kind of go down the street. Funeral processions, people going to work, people in trucks and oxen. No television, no radio, no telephone. And it was amazing to watch the children develop ways of amusing themselves We had family card games. They would create bowling games out of pairs of socks rolled up. I think I feel bad for Alex. He was a 14-year-old boy sharing him with his 10-year-old sister. But the thing is that me and Alex have been close all the way through, so we still spent a lot of time together, which was my fear that we would get out there and he would make tons of friends. Everything is different. Everything is different. Mark and I went off to the market. Um, And I came back, and 
had only found one vegetable that looked familiar and had to wash all of the vegetables in potassium permanganate, purified water, rinse them again, and then dry every string bean. Um, this was going to be my life in India. And there was the one night when I first sat down and just cried and said, what have we done? What am I doing here? Am I crazy? As a 10-year-old, I think the last thing I wanted to do was stick out and all of a sudden we were the rich Americans and that really took me by surprise. We went to a middle uh, school for, that was an Indian school, and I was also a foot taller than almost anyone in the entire uh, region. So not only was I white and American, but I was also a foot, a foot and a half taller at that point. Uh, it was a funny time for me. <laughs> when we got to India, he finally wrote to his friend at the age of 13. He wrote and said, life is very different here. I'm now married with two children. <laughs> <laughs> But then came a trip to a bird sanctuary. On the way home, all the kids were crowded into the back of the bus, and they started telling stories. And suddenly there was my son, mixed in with all these kids from, from India, telling his story, telling things about himself, listening, and he suddenly felt that he was indeed a member of this place. And from then on, I think things were much easier for him. I had some good friends there, and there were some great young flirtatious moments but I didn't have a girlfriend and I was happy I think uh, people weren't r rushing into the girlfriend boyfriend status that we had here and, and I think there was a freedom to sort of be myself more and not have to worry about as much about who I was. We went white water rafting for three days on the Trisuli River. We rode elephants and chased uh, rhinoceros. We Eating with our hands, that was the best part. You know, you would take sauce and rice, anything chicken. We took we them to ride camels out in the desert. And as and we were riding horses camels, on, we up to glaciers. glaciers. The first time it rained, certainly after the five months that we were there, and me and my sister ran up to the roof in joy and danced around in what was a light drizzle. Um, and that was certainly great and a, and a memorable moment. But it was always, always a wonderful thing. The most depressing thing was coming back after India more than anything else and having this incredible adventure and coming back and really finding my friends sitting in the same places doing much of the same thing from before I left. I don't think I'd realize how much I was going to miss it until they threw us a surprise party at the very end before we left. Friends of my parents threw us all a surprise party and were considerate enough to invite Alex's and my friends without our knowledge. I realized how close I'd become with all these people and how we'd built a life there and how much we were going to be missed and how much I'd missed. Living in India was awful. <laughs> I mean, it really was. I, mostly for the fact that I had good friendships by the end and I never knew when I would see them again. I was crying and, um, and life had been very rich and new every day. I think India cemented us in a way that has changed our relationship even today. We had this experience where we only had each other. My sister knows me better than anyone else in the world right now and that's a great gift to have. We had no idea we were getting into, who knew where we were going to live or, or what was going to happen. And that we came back in one piece, I think, really delighted us and made, I think, our family feel like a team. That really imbued in me the excitement of travel. It enriches you because it gives you other visions. And so it changes you when you realize that you can look at things differently 
or you can experience things differently. And that's very subtle. It's not one day you come back and you say you're a changed person. Transform me, you know. I have to give it to my kids. When I was 19, I went off to Paris. That was a wonderful, incredibly important experience. Then Mark and I went around the world, and that was magic. That was truly a gift. Then, then, on the first trip around the world, Mark and I had ridden elephants in uh, Nepal once at a game preserve, and we had said how wonderful it would be to take our children there. When we went to India those years later, we did. How could anything be better than that, to discover something and then be able to take your children and say, here, you can have this too. But no, and I can't wait to see what's happening next. So that was today's morning story from the entire Grashow family passage to India. It's been great hearing from all of you people. Gary, you got the, well, some I, of the emails there. Sure, I printed out a few uh, emails that we've been receiving. Andrew H. Uh, writes in, uh, just got interested in podcasting, found many of our stories to be amazing for different reasons, and uh, he was very touched by our Spalding Gray story. Our oh, goodbye, goodbye Spalding. Spalding yeah, Gray, Harry because he was, story. he was lucky enough to see him perform several times. So, Jason writes in from Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Morning stories, and I quote, are delightfully casual, like an outtake or not ready for broadcast clip. (laughs) Similar to underground radio and spoken word. Thanks for the effort. They're inspiring. Brian, I just want you to know that it takes 35 years of experience in broadcasting to be able to make something sound not only casual but incompetent. <laughs> I'm sure Brian would love to know that as well as Jason from Pawtucket. Oh, oh, it's Jason from Pawtucket. <laughs> uh, as a new iPod owner, I was intrigued by the concept of podcasting. I found Morning Stories terrific program. What a great addition to my digital companion. That's Dave writing in from, uh, where's Dave from? Uh, University of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. In response to our story of last week, Hi Kevin, oh, uh, the Nancy Connors story. Carrying around the ashes of her friend. Right. A, a gentleman was in line with uh, a woman who was in uh, possession of her grandmother's ashes in Germany in an airport security line. You, you got a passage there that uh, is pretty vivid. This gentleman writes, K.H. writes, As with Miss Connors, it went through the x-ray machine and immediately raised all kinds of red flags. Airport security insisted on opening the box. Inside was the sealed urn. The woman objected desperately and tearfully. Deborah, this gentleman's companion, tried to intervene. The head of security arrived. More objections. And finally, they took the urn, broke the seal, and stirred through the ashes in search of whatever. The woman nearly fainted in Debbie's arms. Ah. Pretty grim. Usually when we tell a morning story, we hope that it will resonate with you in some way and at least give you a feeling, though it isn't your life, or what it's like to be the other person. But when almost detail for detail, it is your life. That's that's amazing. Anyway, thanks so much for letting us know. And thanks for listening and all of your support, just as we appreciate the real financial support that we get every week. Podcasts of WGBH's morning stories are made possible in part with support from Ipswich, the leader in file transfer software. Further information is available at their website. That's www.ipswitch.com. And our website is wgbh.org slash morningstories.
And our email address is morningstories at wgbh.org. Keep writing, keep listening. Please. See you next week. Bye.